I generally think of my childhood as shiny, filled with giggles and play. But a blot of tarnish stains one small corner of memory. Kneeling on the living room sofa, waiting for Rabbi Bloom, I tapped the white window ledge, scraped away loose chips of paint, watched an inky dinky spider dangle and twirl like an acrobat without a safety net. Feeling the usual flutter of unruly stomach butterflies, I softly practiced the Torah passage I had memorized for Rabbi Bloom. Each afternoon, on the way home from school, Rabbi Bloom assigned me, none of the other students in the car, just me, Torah passages to memorize in addition to my regular homework. And each morning he tested me on the previous day's assignment. I once asked him what I'd done so wrong that he gave me extra homework. And he replied, To study Torah is an honor, never a burden. Each Shabbos and Shul, Dad and I sat beside Rabbi Bloom, who was a real macher, a big shot, principal of the only Orthodox Hebrew school in this part of New Jersey. Dad often said that, Education is key to Jewish survival in a hostile world. Looking down the block through our bay window, I spotted Rabbi Bloom's new white Ford rounding the corner, the steering wheel visibly pressing against his huge belly. Aviva and Reuven and Davy bouncing in the back, the front passenger seat gaping inevitably empty for me. I yelled, Mom! and scurried upstairs to the bathroom. Not again, Mom mumbled and rushed from the kitchen to the front door, her yellow house slippers clacking annoyance. Her loose, around-the-house half-stocking swishing their embarrassment. I could just picture her tightening the sash of her pink terrycloth robe as Rabbi Bloom's car crunched up our gravel driveway. I left the bathroom door open so I could hear whether Mom would pronounce me sick enough to stay home. She offered me such grace on rare occasion. Then I willingly lay all day tucked in bed, waiting for her to bring me chicken soup and a huge white bowl on a wooden bed tray with a plastic rose and a glass vase to cheer up the patient. I'd play baby and Mom would spoon feed me, kissing my forehead or cheek telling me I could skip the morning prayers I usually said at Hebrew school, that she'd make it all right with Dad when he later asked. Hello, Rabbi Bloom, I heard her call out from the top of our brick front steps, and I imagined her shivering from the winter cold, tucking her black 1960s page boy behind her ears, dislodging the waves and tucking them so as to do something with her hands. I'm sorry, Rabbi, her extra polite lilt, I felt guilty, both for her and for Rabbi Bloom, who was just trying to save the yeshiva some money by driving us, neighborhood kids, to school every day. Dad always said Rabbi Bloom was a well-meaning man, and you kids are the children he and his wife haven't been blessed with. My friends on the block weren't Jewish. They attended Willowbrook Public School, where I'd gone to kindergarten with them. I missed walking the four blocks to school with Chris, my best friend, or with the three Schmidt sisters who lived on the corner. In the John again, Rabbi Bloom's voice was deep and loud, even from outside the house, even from within his car, so powerful that I was sure I could smell the garlic on his breath. What on earth did the man eat for breakfast? Better the boy should have healthy bowels, he said. We can wait. Jake, called Mom. 
Don't keep the rabbi waiting. Darn. Now, have fun at school, she said after I finally came downstairs, and don't drink the water. Mom was convinced my stomach troubles were due to the rusty water from the yeshiva's upstairs bathroom tap. The school building, a converted Victorian four-bedroom home with creaky steps and peeling paint, had only one bathroom, no water fountains, and a kitchen that was off-limits to all students. The faculty needs some place as refuge, no? Mom zipped up my navy blue coat and handed me my plaid lunchbox. I put boiling water and a hot dog in your thermos, and there's an apple. No trading for ring-dings. She needn't have worried about my trading because the sixth-grade lunch monitors watched us like Israeli border guards, protected us from violating the proscription against eating dairy products and meat at the same meal.